Welcome to the Talking 306 podcast, an original Saskatchewan podcast hosted by me, Dale Richardson. On this episode of the Talking 306 podcast, my guest is Murray Mandrick. Well, what's there to say about Murray Mandrick? Murray has been the political columnist for the Leader Post and the Saskatoon Star Phoenix for almost the last 30 years. Uh, he became the political columnist for Post Media in 1990. And we sat down, we talked about that. We talked about what it's been like to cover a number of different governments um, since he became the political columnist in 1990 and before that when he started at the Regina Leader Post in 1982. We talked about what his early career looked like. Uh, Murray is not from Regina. He is not actually from Saskatchewan. And he went to a number of different newspapers before coming to Regina and starting at the Leader Post. So we talk about that. We talk about his career. We talk about his writing process. Um, He covers politics. He writes about politics and has for a long time. So, of course, we talked about that. Um, It was a great honor to sit down with Murray Mandrick. We, we did this interview in his office at the legislative building in Regina. His office is a sight to see. We talk about it in this, in this podcast. And it was so great to do this. He, um, he, was, he was very generous with his, uh, with his time to, to sit down and talk to me. My name is Dale Richardson, and I'm the host of the Talking 306 podcast. And this is my interview with Murray Mandrick. computer uh, okay and we're recording so okay. good um thanks for doing this murray no problem um first of all i think we should we should say uh, where we are because i th- i think your office is unique unique yeah. there's <laughs> there's a lot of history in here so uh there's we're all the history in here there, there's pretty much everything that i don't throw stuff out so we're in the we're in the press gallery um, at the legislative building, and it kind of feels like you have the chief of staff office here, <laughs> a little bit with, with it. Yeah, but but there's a lot of history, so maybe maybe afterwards like we can go A&E through it. A crew should come in any moment, do a documentary on uh, on what's your problem exactly, and <laughs> are you ever going to throw out your newspapers? <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's cool in there. I like kind it. Of my house is like this too, by the way. Really. So, you know. With a bunch of oh, newspaper well, clippings <laughs> hanging up on the wall, and <laughs> no, actually, that's one thing you won't find. It's about as messy. So, <laughs> so Murray, um, you you write columns every day about uh, people and politicians and what's going on in 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 our province. Um, I I've gathered that people don't really know your story though. Mm. Um, so you're from Grandview, Manitoba. That's right, and. A, at least according to the internet right now, it's it says that there was a population in Grandview of, of about fifteen hundred in twenty sixteen. Does that wow, seem that would, does that seem big to you? That would shock me. Okay, so maybe maybe the internet surprise is not always accurate. Yeah. Well, it, what was it? There might be fifteen hundred Bobas. Like, I mean, <laughs> the the average age is is at least eighty five. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Including yeah. my own mom. That's uh, so. I, I grew up on a farm just outside of town. Yeah. That's okay. My background. So. So your family farmed? Yep. Farm family farm kid. From, what did you guys farm? 
Uh, I'm sorry? What what did you farm? A little, little bit of everything. We were a small mixed operation that just doesn't exist anymore right. uh, because of the changing, uh, uh, you know, uh, economic conditions. Like we, you know, we had dairy, we had... Uh, uh, we had cattle, we had chickens, we had grain, we had pork. You know, we had that's just everything. about everything. Just yeah, just everything that was kind of back then. It was kind of idyllic because uh, our farm was located two miles from the Duck Mountains and about fifteen miles from the Riding Mountains. Yeah. So I had a charmed youth. Yeah, that was that was the one thing that I read about um, is that it's Grandview is called Grandview because of the view of those two yeah, two two, two, hills, two mountain yeah. ranges yeah. Or, or hills. They're not. A, I've never been Technically, there. Technically, so. they're mountains, but it's Manitoba, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bit like in in Saskatchewan. <laughs> exactly. So um, you're closer to Dauphin in Manitoba than you are to Yorkton. So yeah, do bit, you yeah. do you identify as a as a Manitoban as opposed to a a Saskatchewanian? Oh God, yeah, uh, probably still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I've been here for thirty seven years, but yeah, like it's often. It's like people here. It's where you're from, and mm-hmm. and that we're having this conversation about where I'm from. From I guess you, you yeah. kind of identify yeah. it with, but yeah, it, it's kind of funny how that affects you in terms of of uh, uh, how you grow up. I don't have any connections really, other than my mom. Sure, uh, right, my dad. My dad's passed on uh, to Grandview right now. My friends. Are, Your mom lives there still. Yeah, she's oh. an elderly lady. Okay, in house yep. and, yep. and and whatnot. So uh, we're kind of going through the life of elderly care right now. I understand. Is, is, is we have with other ones, but she's doing pretty good. She's a tough old baba, yeah. so like I mean, she's uh, uh, she's doing well. So good, good. So when you were when you were growing up uh, in Grandview, did you could you see the the current career that you in that that you're in? Like, did you was there a school paper that you? Oh yeah, I was going to be a sports writer. Yeah, I was going to be a sports writer at yeah. age. Uh, um, I figured it out. Maybe eleven, twelve. I don't know. When That's I pretty young. I, yeah, <laughs> I figured it, uh, and I was for a while, uh, and uh, got into it, and then decided I uh, didn't much like it for whatever reason, and uh, gravitated to this job, which uh, which uh, I've kind of been doing ever since I've been here. Yeah, uh, and I was doing it in other places too. But no, I started. I was <laughs> writing sports. To be honest with you, for so so I have it that you went to well first you went to the to the Red River College in Winnipeg, yeah, and that was. Was that a journalism school, or yeah. was it kind of an overall communications it was type? Of communications. Yeah, and, and I think it, I think it's still called that. Yeah, like this is how old I am. Back in the day, I think you're I'm, in your early thirties, right? Early thirties. Yes, nineteen thirties. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's when I started. Out. Now, I, I think there was only two journalism schools in the country. Uh, I think it was Carleton and Western at the time. Oh, like there was still Ryerson. Two uh, degree programs. They didn't obviously have even the U of R out here in terms of their journalism program, right. and certainly nothing like they have out west in Nathan Satan and whatnot. So your options were kind of limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a different era because I was when I was starting out. It was still kind of the era of on the job training for journalism, although not quite. Most people kind of expected uh, to have a degree, and most of the kids I went to school with uh, uh, were coming from university. I went straight out of high school. It, it was really? a really okay. uh, eclectic bunch because, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, it w- was a bit of everything. You know, one guy graduated as uh, a multiple Giller Award winner. And, and Who was that? Uh, Dave Bergen. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a very yeah. good author, like a very talented writer uh, back in the days. But it was a little bit of everything, you know, in terms of right. There's been some people, obviously, that went on to pretty successful journalism careers, and 
I did what I do instead. So uh, <laughs> oh, I think you've I think you've done fine, Murray. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you went from from Red River College in Winnipeg, and then did you go to the Free Press in Winnipeg yeah, first? I, okay, I interned there for a while doing sports. Uh, didn't have much of a full time opportunity. Went to Portage the Prairie where I did sports yes. and then news. Uh, went to Fort McMurray for the Daily Graphic. For the Daily Graphic, does it still exist? I think. It's yeah, I think. I think it was. Well, yeah. yeah. I. I don't know. I think it's. Dis- I think. I think it's defunct now. Uh, then to Fort McMurray for a while, actually, uh, where I did both, and then wound up with an opportunity here. What did you think of of Fort Mac? Oh, it was great during the day. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're, except for a couple things, uh, uh, when you're young and single, Fort McMurray is sort of a. a hopelessly horrible town and a great town to be in all at the same time because mm-hmm. there's X number of young and single men that are, are the same as you. Unfortunately, uh, very expensive town for uh, for a journalist right. salary, so I wasn't there particularly long. It uh, wasn't an especially profitable venture uh, in that uh, city anyway. But it's, it was actually great to, you know, that, that, that's the best thing about this business is that you get to experience a lot of different places and a lot of different things because... There is a certain level of mobility. I didn't think I'd be here as uh, um, long as I uh, was, but uh, you know things happen, and, and you, <laughs> you wind up in where you are. So, right. So then you you went from from Fort McMurray to the Leader Post in yeah. 1982, 80, yeah. 83. Okay, 1982. Yeah. And then so so what did you report when you started out there? Were you civic uh, affairs education yeah, no, type, type thing? Yeah, right? I was hired for civic affairs education. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember. So, what was Regina City Council like at that time? Like, what did you report on mostly with the with, with the civic affairs? Uh, t- you know, basically the same things that are going on right now: water rates and yeah. sort of roads the and sidewalks of, and uh, lack of whalebone. You know, uh, and too many horse-drawn buggies. <laughs> usual stuff that was a you know part for that. Yeah, see, pretty much the same thing. It's kind of funny how uh, basic reporting hasn't really changed. In yeah. substance, in terms of what you're covering, because if you, I think if you go back to those days, and to be quite frank, uh, Dale, I haven't for years, but I think if you go back to those days, you probably see the same bloody issues. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I did, for instance, railroad line relocation. <laughs> oh yeah, even back then, well, it's, I'm, it's I'm, still I'm, a thing, and and. And despite the fact that the mayor and council here talk about it, it will likely yeah. never. I'm sure I did school closures happen. and overcrowding and everything else. I, I know I did a ton on on, on housing and and mm-hmm. at the time, uh, basically the, the problem with low income housing and and everything else. A uh, little different in terms of housing prices back then. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> whole Just other a bit. Dy- dynamic. Uh, uh, and then I got into provincial politics, and I'm pretty sure. Uh, a lot of the issues, uh, you know, population, uh, migration, uh, flow to Alberta, things that probably writing about at the time, debt deficits, certainly yeah. at the time. So nineteen no damn different. Nineteen eighty three, you started here at the yeah. at the that's right, kind of yeah. covering the legislative beat. Yep. So that was right at the start of the of the Grant Divine PC government. Yeah, they had been in for roughly a year when I think I I sort of really started covering politics here in semi earnest. So. Right. So what was so what was it like covering them at that time in the in the in the very early years? It's kind of fun actually, yeah. as, as it is covering politics right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I say fun in a perverse way because um, I I suspect that it what is fun for you covering government is maybe not fun for the for the other side. Uh, no, it, it, or vice versa. Like yeah. uh, you'd be surprised how much of the job is not fun in terms of some of the things you wind up writing and, and the blowback you get and everything else. But. Um, 
when you're dealing with a relatively new government in change, uh, there's sort of almost a, a repression nature for everybody that uh, is covering it too. And although I was new to the government, I was working with a lot of veterans that had been covering uh, a lot of the NDP in, administration, like any old in, administration, they were just due for a change. And right. uh, a lot of stories were related to the, the transition. And I guess the fun part is when you're seeing that in, in government, there's all this kind of new hope and ideas. And, uh, uh, you know, Grant Devine's There's So Much More We Can Be was a real thing back then. It sure. wasn't just a cliche. It was something as to how we could be different as a province. We could see things different as a province. And there was a certain energy with that uh, that was probably reflected in terms of the political coverage. Fortunately, that didn't last too long because of other problems they quickly run into. But mm -hmm. specific to those early years, probably up until maybe, you know, 1984, 85, it was kind of different. And then things kind of went really off the rails pretty quickly for that government because of costs, because of the decisions that they made. And, and that entered a whole other venue of what is, quote, fun and political coverage, which is yeah. uh, kind of stories that probably governments don't like. And that's obviously issue. And maybe we don't <laughs> like doing as much as, as, as uh, they can, as, as we think, as some people think we do. The, in terms of the word fun, it has broad implications yeah. uh, and, uh, and sometimes pretty negative connotations too because it ain't much fun to do a deficit story, but uh, we still call it fun. Right. So, so you, you covered uh, the ledge bead for a number of years, and then uh, I've, I found this article, so I want to share it. So on February 28th, 1990, there was uh, on, the, on the front page, front page of the Leader Post, there's a little a little sidebar that says columnists named and and it's the it's the announcement of you and your former when was that? Febru February 28 1990 wow. you, you know something I, I, everybody asked me when all I started doing this and I've forgotten I got it right here Murray <laughs> wow. I got it I have the evidence hey look at that research so you and uh you and your now former um late colleague uh, Ron Petrie um who, Wells, yeah yeah um yeah. And he was a talent. Jeez. I, I, what was it like working working with him? I mean, I... Ron was a quirky guy, but funny as hell. Like, yeah. I mean, a pure Saskatchewan guy. Uh, and, and just... I, I, he was know, he, he was from from Priestville, I think. So you yeah. so you guys had Nut Mountain officially. He, oh, he, he would always okay. correct you saying he was from Nut Mountain. Oh, okay, and I don't know where in hell Nut Mountain was or if he really existed. With Ron, it might not have. I <laughs> I, I've never met anybody else from Nut Mountain, but um, he we were young guys, and the the weird thing about this business is you get very close to the people you work with because you work in such tight quarters. And you do the same things, and you know, you, you know, I wouldn't put it that way, but you're kind of there for each other's moral support and everything else. Sure. You're there for, it's tough, right? And uh, uh, it's tough being a journalist at the best of times because unless you sort of experience it, you don't really know what you get back. It's probably like you know, when you worked in this building, you get tight with people that yeah, you work course. with because you go through the same thing, and, yeah. and some of them are people that you've known before that you've entered into the building with because yeah. you've had the same experience, same likes, same interests, kind of same with us. Yeah. And so Ron and I and a lot of other people at the time, you know, like, I mean, obviously came into this with, with sort of a shared history and everything else. But, uh, 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 you know, in journalism, it's a little different. He was such an incredible writer. 
I wish at any given point in my life I could write half as well as he. Oh, come on. He was just fantastic. No, it, like, I mean, he was just a, a, a big, big talent yeah. that is sadly, sadly missed because he had his own particularly neat style that just worked. And right. uh, even when he was sort of a young guy that was still reporting, that was obvious. That's why he became a columnist. They, they did the right thing back then is they deliberately made him uh, a city columnist just based on his talent. That's right. That's, overwhelming. What, yeah, that's and, what that article and, said. Yeah, and it, and it was, and, and, and I'm glad they did. I don't know if he necessarily liked this place as much as I did, but that's, you know. You know why? Different. Why do you think? Uh, he just wasn't in his, that wasn't his style of writing. Uh, he liked to write at things where he could take a big picture poking at things. He loved writing about situationals, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when his triplets came along, it was just yeah. perfect for him because he could write about family situations and and, and whatnot. He was a great admirer of Dave Barry and, and a humorous columnist, which he truly was. Uh, and as I say, uh, uh, a really... I think historically uh, underrated talent in terms of how good it is. The the happiest moment I think I've had in building, uh, honest to God, uh, and I have trouble talking about because it's it's sad, but in the cornerstone of the the building right now when they dug up the the box related to uh, uh, the 100th anniversary of the building, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, they replaced it. And uh, with a whole bunch of items from modern day times, uh, I think that would have been in 2013. And in that box right now is a Ron Petrie column. Really? And Which one was it? Do you know? Yeah, yeah I, do, I do specifically. It was one he wrote for, uh, it was his Thanksgiving column that I think he would have wrote about 2011, 2012. Is this the one that, uh, that Brad Wall shared maybe last year at Thanksgiving or yeah. the year before? Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's, it's, a, it's a great column. Isn't it a great column? Yeah. And like, if you're... Uh, uh, appreciative of uh, of of just pure great writing, you yeah. Know, like you gotta read it. It is, it is so good. And more than that, he touches he touched and described Saskatchewan in a way that I couldn't. You know, he's, he he was just bloody well that talented and that yeah. good. And I'm so happy that it's there. And I'm so happy for whatever role I might have had in encouraging that to happen, uh, because you know they, they could have uh, uh, put anything in, in in the in the time capsule, and I was uh, uh, I pretty much lobbied for <laughs> for it to be there. Yeah, and no, that's great. They did, and I, I'm just so glad that that you know if it ever gets open in 50 or 100 years from time, people will get to see not only what uh, Ron was like, but what the province was like, which I think was even more important because I don't think anybody ever described it better. I truly yeah. don't. It, it is a great column. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like he was just talented. Uh, just, uh, you know, just sadly missed. Uh, yeah. A good guy, a great drinking buddy, good friend, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I mean, it was just all of the above, you know. Uh, not to be outdone, I did find your first column as well. Okay. March 2nd, 1990. And... Um, Let me guess what was on um, yeah, please. March second, nineteen ninety. Yeah, I'm thinking it was probably on um, uh, International Women's Day, and I think I would have wrote about Diane Milinkovic and Pat Smith and Linda Haverstock. Uh, no, no, you okay. you wrote about a about a about a woman though, uh, Sylvia Kish. Kish. Yeah. Oh yes. So she was the. She was Governor John. Oh, I I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry, Sylvia Kish. No, Sylvia uh, Fedorik. Sylvia, Sylvia Kish Fedorik, was yeah. The, uh, sorry. President- Sylvia Kish was 
the president. She was the president, president of, of the Saskatchewan Liberal Party, along with Linda Hammerstock. Oh, okay. And at and at this time, she was the uh, Sask Chamber of Commerce president. president at that time, yeah. And you were and you were writing about how the PC government at the time gave a bunch of tax credits to basically every every type of business, and she said, "No, I don't want it," because she had a clothing store that. Yeah. You know, it was. I think actually in started Priestville. in Priestville, yeah, funny yeah. enough, yeah. and then she and then she opened one here. So yeah, yeah. yeah Sylvia's. I don't know much about women's clothing. It's a big deal at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. She was very successful. Um, I found a couple of other articles, but that's. Uh, I think. I think that's a. That's enough for that thread. So, um, why don't we talk a bit about what about the work that you do? I guess right now and some of the topics of the day if we sure if, if we can do that so um what do your days look like like when you like when you sit down to write a column so your columns typically would go tuesday wednesday friday saturday right yep. is that typically yep. and it's been that way for a long time not too long. <laughs> long um what are you thinking about when you sit down to to write one is it is it mostly on the like on the current event of the of the day or how do you how do you decide what to what to write about? People sometimes ask me that. And I, I I always struggle to kind of define process because there really isn't one. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, Is it just sitting down and banging out whatever in your head about a a topic? Well, you're fully engaged in in whatever it is that that's the issue of the day out here, the issue du jour out here. So um, you sit back and someplace along the line something hits you that that's something i have to write about or that's something that people need to know about in my mind you know my, you know you know everything is uh, uh, a tag with my humble opinion because uh, you know yeah. I, I might be wrong but but something strikes you as being the issue that you need to really explore in depth or that needs to be highlighted sometimes it, on the rare occasion it's stuff that isn't getting much attention uh, and that's kind of somewhat the nature of our beast right now because you know how journalism's going and mm-hmm. um, stuff that we don't get reported that I don't think it's reported enough sometimes becomes pretty good column fodder these days because right. it just needs to be explored in a little way so it's a bit of a different uh, way about going things than maybe I used to but generally speaking it's still the same process you look at something that's important to people and you basically um, try to expand on that in a way that maybe a new story or another thing doesn't explain it, or maybe it's something that you've been working on that isn't getting talked about, and it should be. So it's one of the two things that that's always sort of governing the day. Sometimes the news of end of the day is more important. Sometimes you think your ideas are more important. I'm of the view yeah. that somebody else's opinion is probably about what's important is probably more important than mine. So a, a lot of my work tends to flow towards stuff that people are uh, uh, are thinking about and maybe not thought about in in the way that I think that, that needs to be further explored. So uh, I don't know if there's a great description of how that process works other than the fact that, hey, we really need to be talking about this as a community. How do you sort out, Murray? Um, and this is something that I thought about lots when I worked in this building, is how do you sort out what what is something that people probably sh- uh, do care about versus what, you know, people, media, political staff, 
in in this in the legislative building care about because i think that there are some instances where um you know based based on my own experience where we thought something was a thing but if you as soon as you walk outside of outside of the building here and you go to harbor landing or you yeah. go to stonebridge in saskatoon people are are going about their their daily lives they're taking their kids to soccer and if you ask them hey what do you think about this issue that so-and-so wrote about or that the government is concerned about they would, they would know. probably say i have no idea what you're but talking think about, about that for a moment in, in, in terms and I'll, I'll get around to answering your question eventually i usually do okay. but but think about that like you guys aren't stupid people anyway in terms of the bright bright people wind up working yeah in I'd like to point out that I'm no longer staff in the, yeah, yeah. In the building. But. Yeah, bright, bright people leave the building sometimes, too. <laughs> sometimes dumb ones, too. Do. Some okay. dumb ones stay here for 30-odd years, buddy. Uh, but what, what, just because it's not being talked out at the soccer field or you're not being talked out at the coffee shops or whatever we or on, you know, in some cases on the Internet, although it seems like everything gets talked about on the Internet mm-hmm. these days, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's not something that we need to know about or need to explore. So uh, I've always... Um, bristled at the notion that that stuff that's happening here isn't important to people sometimes they just don't know it yet and I sometimes they, like debt's always important to people deficits uh, uh always important to people but do you ever hear anybody in the you know, at soccer or wherever else talking about it? no they don't no and sometimes it's my job to make it make it understood as to why this is important or why this particular government program is particularly important or why spending money on uh, on something is particularly stupid because it does affect people. And someplace along the line, you develop your talents, your abilities, your sense, your intuition in terms of making that determination as to what is and isn't important. At this point, I can't honestly tell you how that happens for me right now because mm. – Sometimes it just happens, but um, if it happens out here, if smart people are concerned about it, if people running governments or uh, critiquing government in the case of the oppositions are thinking it's a big issue, if we as journalists who've studied these issues for like forever in my case uh, think it's something that people should be writing about, generally it's something that people should be writing about whether people know it or not. That doesn't necessarily make you the most popular person in uh the newspaper or the most popular person in the community because you're bringing oh geez he's bringing up this again or he's bringing up that again but uh and be honest with you it's great fodder for uh uh for uh within newsrooms internally you'd be amazed at how many fun conversations i have with editors saying you know you guys really should should uh, be looking at this before I write about it because hmm. that happens pretty often and uh, and either they get to it because they can or they maybe they sometimes don't because of staffing considerations or other differences of opinions or whatnot but there's almost an inevitability that when those conversations happen with my editors they kind of work their way into my column one at one point or the other so what, so what's an issue uh, just to just to jump on what you said uh, what's an issue that people in the province may may not know about or maybe care that much about right now but they but they should know about they it. should know well I'll, I'll give you one just because uh and, and it maybe it'll help you sort of understand process mm-hmm. um uh i don't know what the hell intuition is but a lot of time is it just people phoning me and say hey you want to write about this it's interesting <laughs> yeah. like I mean, to be quite frank a lot of the stuff that i get 
and I, I decide to do is just simply feedback I'm getting from people or you know concerned citizens etc that, uh, that that they're going on so at one point, I, I received some information basically saying, you really got to pay attention to what's going on in in, in McKillop, yeah. in the rural municipality right. of uh, uh, McKillop on the east side of Lost Mountain Lake because there's a real disagreement between, uh, at that point, what you know, cottage owners that may or may not be out there full-time a year mm-hmm. and rural uh, people within uh, the RM that are farming and trying to get along and trying to, you know, get ahead and a real disagreement as to how that should work. It's it's all centered around at that particular point on representation. So there was sort of a real democratic element. Uh, is I think you most or some people know. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I knew at the time to be honest with you. But in terms of the structure of that particular municipality, they had uh, elections every uh, second year, every every two years. Sorry, uh, where half the council was elected, and the, uh, in terms of the councillors. Uh, there's a real disproportional representation between those that are representing the cottage owners that are out there part-time but have the right to vote at that, that council and those that are, are representing the more permanent farm residents, uh, even though those representing the areas where there's a lot of uh, cottage owners have a significantly larger constituency. It's not a full-time constituency. It's kind of quirky in Saskatchewan that uh, you get to vote in maybe two places in a municipal ele- election where you live in the city maybe and maybe where you own a cottage in the country because we, we permit that. And so there's an interesting, there was an interesting argument on both sides as to you know, who really has the right to pick councils and who really, whose interests are uh, Reeves and Council are supposed to represent. And the conversations you know I had with my editors is, hey, I'm getting a lot of blowback on this particular issue. This is interesting. Right. We should follow it. We should follow it. We should follow it. And I think I wound up doing a column about it last June. Be- and it's become a huge yeah. issue, as you probably see. For one other interesting theme that I always have been fascinated since I've been in this province, maybe because I am from sort of a, a rural setting, is the you know th- the change in the representation from rural interests versus urban it is beyond everything else i also still and have for 20 plus years written a weekly column uh where yep. and I, I do that specifically because i really like to keep in touch with as someone who you who used to research all those oh, weekly you, newspapers I, oh you poor bugger i'm aware of them yeah. jesus yeah there is no end to your pain <laughs> What did you do wrong? How did you? Who, oh, I don't who know. did you piss off? I was, off I was, you I was a young, I was a young <laughs> summer student and then staffer. <laughs> but, but you know, in essence, I like the, I've always liked them because I think it, it's a different perspective and a different. Uh, uh, there, there are other views and other yeah. legitimate views than what you get out of the ledge building or Regina. And or you can actually talk about them be, because you grew up in. Yeah, and, in and, a well, it's helpful. Small rural. I don't community. know if I do a particularly great job. I, uh, I would be a pretty pissed. Well, better fine. better than someone who has lived in Saskatoon, yeah. Regina, or Van- Vancouver, Toronto, yeah. for sure. Right? I'd be a pretty pissed poor farmer right now. I would oh. not know anything about how to run a large scale farming operation that they run today. But but all that, and I don't claim to. But uh, but I think I get a sense of of the, the the diversity and difference in terms of issues. And as I say, writing this weekly column as I have for a long time has allowed me to. It sort of give me a broader perspective. Mm-hmm. Always, it's always in your back of mind. Okay, well, this is kind of interesting. You write for Regina, two major Regina 
and Saskatoon uh, newspapers that where you get most of your stuff. But you need to figure out that there's other people out there. Yeah. And, and that, in a way, it's one of those things that provides immediate balance. Anyway, back to the issue. Uh, MacKillop, it, it sort of was a really interesting story about the conflict between rural and urban in Saskatchewan, which has always been a huge issue. Yeah. And as you now see, it's become something else in terms of of, uh, of changes in tax hikes, in terms of, of uh, the government rightly and wisely, I, in, my, in my opinion, once again, my humble opinion, uh, of course. Uh, being asked to move in and study this and make a determination in terms of some of the things that went on we're still waiting for, uh, uh, but you sort of see these things coming down the road, and it, it's really right. interesting to uh, to see how they develop. You know, you know, was it something that I generated myself? No, it never really kind of is. It's something that you hear, mm-hmm. or something that you you you, know, you through conversation or or through. It, it, this is a great place to be working, in the sense be, because by virtue of having the job, your people are immediately drawn to you with information sometimes it's information equality a lot of times less so no but yeah. <laughs> but, but but you know like i mean you you, you know less so nowadays because people don't communicate that way but uh, uh you know uh i'd be going through years where i'd really have to get the earwax removed from uh from uh my uh uh, right ear, right left-handed, uh, because oh, yeah. I spend all the time on the phone, and nowadays it's kind of more through other means, uh, uh, and like you spend an awful lot of time. A lot of Twitter messages? Yeah, well, a lot of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, uh, you, you spend a lot of time just, inter- you know, interacting and, and, you know, and, and with people one or the other, and that's the beauty of kind of the job. It, mm-hmm. it's, I don't want to be cliche or anything else about it, but it really does come from people who have legitimate issues and legi- legitimate problems. Not everyone, not, you know, you know, you know like, I mean, um, you know, uh, yeah, uh, uh, as per my wall, uh, I can only please one person uh, uh, per day and, and they ain't your day. Uh, I don't quite say that. But There's another <laughs> word that's <laughs> used in there. But. Another word that's, that's used in there. But it's pretty much the nature of the beast, you know, like, yeah. I mean, and, and, but in that, um, you never forget that, the, 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 that some, Long, somebody's going to come along on any given day and on most days with some issue like that. And it did in terms of the McKillop thing that's turned into kind of an interesting and a much larger issue mm. than when I first stumbled ac- uh, across it. You know, And to be honest with you, by the time I stumbled across an issue like that, it had been an issue for people out there for a long, long time. They'd been trying right. to deal with it and trying to deal with, you know, trying to work around it and finally, in their mind, finally come to you and say, you know, can you talk about this? Can we write about this? Can we can we can we have a conversation about what's going on here? Because, you know, as a province, is you know we need to have a conversation, and uh, I guess that's kind of where my job begins. The tough part of of, uh, of the job is often determining whether it's really about needing to have a conversation or somebody needing to you know uh, uh, put forward their own agenda. But if that issue, Murray, was if that issue had had been out in the in the public, I guess, or in, you know, certain parts of the public, um, for a number of months. Why did why did it take so long for for it to become a thing? Because like that's like it, that's basically the question. No, it's, it's a the, fair question yeah. and a good question. But to be honest with you, there's a hundred of them. There's yeah. thousands of them. There's any number mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. it's um, you know, it's it's 
it's like when you're prospecting and why didn't you discover that nugget and that nugget before mm. well because yeah. you didn't yeah. you know because yeah. you just didn't stumble across it from my perspective it always been there and maybe other people had seen it but guess what you know right uh, and maybe it was a big deal with other people but for me honestly uh it was just some it is something that is new and then you make the determination as to what is like the tough part is that you know like there's kind of only one of me right now do what i'm doing and as you see in, we're in the middle of the press gallery in the legislature. It's not exactly a heavy traffic area, is it? No. I think I'm the only one up here today, and I think there's only one full-time person up here at this particular moment. Right. Normally, there's a whopping three of us. Yeah. And uh, down, uh, down know, from down from a lot. Well, I think there's 39 people working in my entire building right now at Later Post, and I think when I got there, there's probably more than 500, maybe gusting up to 600 i don't know it's probably not all full-time because we had mailroom stuffers and everything yeah, else but yeah. that's just a change in, in, in the, the nature world. of nature yeah, of the news n- industry the news industry and you change and so yeah. particularly nowadays you don't run across things as quickly as you, t- as you do and even back then you, you, you didn't necessarily you know even when we had more bodies we didn't ever seem to have enough bodies it's yeah. just the nature of news um I don't know if that helps any, but that's kind of yeah, how the no, process works. No, that's good. And quite often it comes out just from people that you talk to. Yeah. Like a lot of the stuff that you wind up writing about has been stuff that's been percolating in the back of your mind for a while or some mm-hmm. issue that you haven't got around to, to to writing about or somebody else hasn't got around to writing about or just hasn't become that big yet. But, but you know, all of a sudden it kind of hits uh, the breaking point. It's it's like when you were in government and and you saw things that were coming up that were going to be potential problems, that were going to be particular issues, but they didn't, or maybe they veered off in another direction. Having or, having worked in the uh, health minister's office, there were never any problems ever. Yeah, exactly. There was never any problems. Nothing, nothing ever came up. But you know how it is. Like yes. any number, you know, that, that's a great example because in the health minister's office, any number of those things can be a huge problem for government, uh, an issue easily or difficult or solved with a little bit of difficulty, or something that all of a sudden becomes a news event because some ways it's kind of unsolvable mm-hmm. the sad part is often by the time it gets to my world it's an issue that's already unresolvable right and you know i'm not but i'm not here to resolve problems i'm i'm here to, here to write about them write about them and maybe from that collectively somebody smarter than me comes up with a solution um there are a number of choices yeah. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor for this episode 306 media and communications 306 Media and Communications helps businesses and organizations with any help that they may need with public relations, social media advertising, and communications. Uh, If you need help with social media ads, like on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter or Snapchat, if you need media relations and media training help to get ready to talk to a local reporter, if something has happened in, in your organization and you need some issues or crisis management help, if you're getting ready to start a campaign, whether that be a political campaign or some kind of advertising campaign and need to figure out your messaging for it, or if you need some writing services like speech writing or press releases or blog articles, 306 Media Communications can help you. For more information, contact by email at info at 306media.ca or visit the website www.306media.ca or by calling 306-527-1914. Now, 
let's get back to the episode. Uh, you're quite a prolific uh, Twitter user. Am I? Well, <laughs> I guess so. compared to some others, but you you seem to not spend a lot of time on there. But but you you see what's going on on Twitter, and yep. um, Twitter is not a great place for it's a good place to get news yeah (laughs) yeah no true yeah Yeah. um it's a very weird place um some other like facebook obviously has has had its problems in the last couple of years with the you know with the stuff in the u.s and then there's instagram but um more so on the on, on the twitter side of things just based on how much criticism people can can get out through Twitter uh, towards politicians and, and elected officials, I guess, in general. Um, are you worried that younger people like myself and some others aren't going to have an interest in serving in government because it's it's just not worth it for them? They see the they see the criticism not not necessarily. You're not that young, first of all. But, uh, What's that? You're not that young. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just turned thirty, man. <laughs> there you go, sir. Uh, it's I don't know that's good uh, it, maybe maybe not maybe it's going to be different uh, I hope it settles out uh, like why would why would someone who is let's say b- between the age of 35 and 45 who is likely in the in the prime of their career and on both sides I've know people who are maybe South Party right-leaning supporters and friends who are from the NDP side of things who have good jobs uh, and are extremely competent, uh, but they see all of the all the stuff that goes on online and the, and how many how many avenues the public, fake or not, trolls or not, have to criticize people in in you know in positions of power. Why would why would they want to get involved in it? Well, young guy, I'm going to make an old guy observation. Okay? Oh, okay, this is the old guy observation I have for you. I could have been having the same conversation in '82 or '83 when I started. I could have had. In ninety, when I started the column, you know, I, I could be having this conversation uh, at any time because it's always existed. And before it was Twitter, it was basically why would you subject yourself to media criticism? Why would you subject yourself to local gossip about you or your? You know how vicious politics is. You know how how what goes on there. You know what you're going to be accused of. You know what you know how your whole life is going to be exposed, etc., uh, etc. Et why would anybody put up with a crap? No, no, and it's 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 good and interesting, legitimate uh, conversation. It probably doesn't come across um, uh, in my daily writing, and that's on me. This is my fault totally. But you do have a remarkable respect if you do this job for any great length of time for those that come forward and just do the job, because it sucks some days. It just mm-hmm. truly, uh, you know, it, it, kind of being a politician. Working for a politician is a job that I don't think I'd ever aspire to. I obviously don't aspire to, but because it is crappy. It, it, you put up with a lot of crap. You truly do, but you always do, and, and people do for other reasons because they believe in in what they're doing and they believe they can make a difference and change you know, wrongly or rightly. I guess maybe that's not me be all that much different than my world. Mm. You know, I, I guess I keep doing this um, – well, partly I think I'm insane, but but partly because you know you're still tied to that commitment that 
what you do is important and it makes a difference. Yeah. And I think that's always going to be the motivating factor. And I think there's always going to be the other things. It's kind of unfortunate where Twitter and, and other social media and other things are a little different is we're not playing by the same rules right now. And I kind of hope someone gets their ass really sued off on Twitter to, to calm things down a bit or elsewhere because there are people that think the first idiotic thing that pops into your head is something that I need to share with the world, whether it's completely false, completely libelous, completely dehumanizing and damaging to other people. Mm-hmm. It's a good foreign be It's social media, so it should be social. You sh- if you, social to me means being able to talk freely, to, to you know, sometimes commit, sometimes make fun of people. I don't you don't do any of that on on Twitter. You don't do. you don't poke fun at yourself whatsoever. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, for God's sake, look at me. I got more reason to than most. But well, uh, your your current pinned tweet at the at the top of your Twitter profile is the is the great one about you the photo of you comparing to the to the villain in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I never the, realized how the, much I looked like him. The torturer. The torturer. So if it's yeah. if it's making you read my column, uh, <laughs> but it. Um, um, it, it, it is that. And you have to be, you know, a lot humble and a little uh, self-effacing if you're going to do any job like this. I kind of hope that there's a realization that, that, and that, that something changes where we don't have where, where some of the stuff we're seeing. I generally try not to respond to anonymous tweets unless they're civil. Right. And like if it's troll tweets, like yeah, troll tweets, yeah, yeah. basically. Hey, you know, I, I for whatever reason I've chosen not to identify myself. But I sincerely need to understand what the hell you're saying, or want a piece of information, or or whatnot. That's that's fair and reasonable enough. Uh, when the conversation starts out accusing you of something, or swearing at you, or, yeah. or doing yeah. everything else, yeah. why should I or anybody else have to put up with with that? Why should politicians? Certainly have. No, they shouldn't. You know, like to be quite frank, most of them are uh, um, pretty good. I love Brad Wall's demeanor on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I aspire to to uh, to do what he does because he's funny as hell, and and it's and there's lots of, of politicians that are actually pretty good at yeah. it. There's lots of politicians on both sides. Good. Yeah, yep. on all sides. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's also some politicians that are pretty bad at Twitter, and uh, and the worst ones are the ones that don't know they're bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think that if you read through your your line, I don't. But but if you sit back and think about what you said, and if you can't say you're sorry for for some of the stupid things you've you've written or whatnot, you got a problem. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And some of them you stand by. Some of them you basically, you know, probably a few tweets. I said, eh, probably shouldn't have said that. But you right. know, like you really try hard to police yourself and maybe police others in terms of, of that. And as I say, in in my job and in job uh, politics, you get a lot of blowback. Probably get as much as, as most people in politics do, and maybe sometimes more so. Right. But, you know, you know the, the fact of the matter is there's certain things I, I think they, I, everybody should put up with on social media because they're there and it's your choice to be there. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things you just shouldn't. And there's certain things that people just shouldn't have bloody well said in the first place. Right. And those are the things, as I said earlier, kind of hope a few of them kind of get their ass sued off of. And maybe that'll make them figure out where the rules are. Because at this particular point, I think one of the problems with 
with social media, with Facebook, with Twitter, is people just don't kind of really know what the rules are. Right. And right. I think until that sort of gets sorted out by society, uh, it won't be. But, you know, uh, there's a lot of things in society where we don't seem to know what the rules are. We didn't seem to, uh, to understand what the rules were mm-hmm. back then, and maybe that they're changing for the better. We're seeing it in terms of sort of some of the stories we're seeing with Me Too, yep. on harassment, sure. on a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, really... If you look at it from thirty thousand feet in the air, it's pretty positive. You know, it's it's pretty much a good yeah. thing. It's I messy. guess it depends on what you look at and what you see when you're on there. You know, and who yeah. you who you follow and the and the content that that appears on your feed. Well, you know? one thing is, um, you don't have to follow people that are arseholes. You know, no mm-hmm. one's forced to follow me, or no one's forced to. Is a good example. Someone's an mm-hmm. arsehole, uh, but you know, like you I mean, it, it, no one's forced to. But you know, the fact of the matter is, you it, it's your choice. You know. Like that's true. My conduct on it personally is that if I don't like what you have to say, I generally mute you, and I figure that's a far bigger insult than blocking you. No, because you know what? You can blocking me just kind of keeps you from basically seeing what I have to say. And you know what? If I don't care enough because of your conduct and because the way you conduct yourself and 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 choose to interact, to have anything that you say anymore in the future heard by me i think that's far more insulting than basically saying well gee you can't see my stuff mm-hmm. you know uh, and and i think maybe a lot more people need to do that basically say you know police themselves say nah you're out of the conversation you know you don't need to be part of this you don't need to conduct yourself in this way i watch my kids play overwatch or you know video games in terms of where they interact with uh, yeah. with 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 this and what i get immediately is they have a lot uh, better handle on the social interaction online than maybe us old guys do mm-hmm. and maybe we maybe we need to uh, learn lessons from them in terms of they I think so for sure you know yeah. they, they, they actually do and you know you know but your kids probably they're they're probably not on Twitter or even Facebook likely I mean I'm an old boring guy my yeah. kids, so like okay. they, 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 they they, you're just 30. You're like me. Right? I'm 30. Yeah. 30, I, I'm about to be 30 for the yeah. second time in a few years. So. What's the What's the biggest news story that that has happened or or that you've covered since you've been in Regina? Like just like like Everybody something that. something that the major head explode. Like you like you couldn't believe that that this happened. In, in what context? You know, like I mean, funny, stupid, idiotic. Like, they, there's so many. Like, it's yeah. hard to, like, like, you know, uh, I, I tend to lead towards the the bizarre and the ridiculous. Okay, you know, so go for it. So, you know, the former NDP government having to sell off five thousand wooden penises probably. Everyone <laughs> loves that story. Didn't work out well in terms of their sexual education training. That was one of my favorite stories, and it was even. What year was that? Oh, jeez, good question about 95 in that that range yeah. and you know both the minister and the deputy minister trying to uh, my question is why did why did they sell them was there a an improved product that they were buying instead that wasn't wooden they found them to be ineffective in terms of a, <laughs> of a a, a a teaching tool <laughs> so that's I think that was absurd. precisely the words they use. They're pretty damn close to so like there's just yeah always... if you had twitter at that time would would Twitter have gone nuts over that story? I would have gone nuts oh, yeah. over that story. Oh, yeah. They did at the time too. I, you know, but before one of the reasons I got on Twitter, to be honest with you, since you ask, is because a couple of my colleagues, uh, ex-colleagues, 
uh, Stephanie Langenager and yeah. Angela Hall, who I work with, and uh, it's no longer in the business, basically said, you know, you got to get on Twitter. And I said, why? I don't, I, I don't yeah. kind of need this. No, but you're you you're good at making fun of people. So oh, yeah. So so they encourage you to do they, it because you're a troll. Because a troll. they said, <laughs> you know, I don't troll. You're the problem, right? I don't troll though. I've never gone on anybody's account yeah. and responded uh, arbitrarily. It's always just tweet tweets at you. Well, I yeah. you. Yeah. I think it's a difference when somebody actually um, uh, uh, writes to you, shitting all over you, and then basically uh, on on Twitter, and then you basically respond in kind. Uh, you know, maybe I do a little bit better than most people because get a little bit more practice at it. Yeah. But uh, but no, I, I I've never actually gone on anybody's account and said, "Gee, uh, it's really important for me to uh, to make your life miserable that particular day." You know, because yeah. uh, because I need to. It's a couple times when it's kind of been sort of a public issue because somebody some politician says something on Twitter that that you know that oh okay well that, but that's you know that's a public forum. Uh, the whole notion that anybody—I find it really kind of appalling—that you, 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 your life is so 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 miserable that you need to basically <laughs> follow someone else for the same purposes of just uh, you know getting some glee and how uh, miserable or stupid or, or whatever you think they are. Uh, you know, like I mean, so <laughs> um, kind of same rules you learned in kindergarten. Same thing, mom and dad taught you in terms of relative mm -hmm. decency kind of reply to read the writing column or politics or real life if you kind of kind of remember them it's it's pretty handy sometimes and i think maybe sometimes people don't mm -hmm. who um so the the i want to get your take on this and then we'll be close to being down here um both the sas party and uh, uh the ndp they they elected new leaders mm -hmm. um premier scott mo for the sas party and uh Dr. Ryan Miley for the NDP. Um, how do you think they've they've done so far, and what uh, what do you think the next couple of years will look like in the lead up to the to the next election? Uh, if I had to, you always have to assess things at a point in time, mm -hmm. uh, and because it tends to change, and it changes with circumstances, and it changes with you know the things they have to deal with in terms of issues. If I had to basically um, look at both of them right now two observations um uh, that i make in some ways both have really surprised me in some ways they haven't if i was making a, a, an assessment right now in terms of who's done better and who's who's done who, who's done i'd have to say scott moe has probably done better at this particular point why uh i think taking over an aging government and a popular premier is a weird combination by the way because he mm -hmm. took over both the um uh, problems of Brad Wall and took over Brad Wall's legacy. It was a miserable task, and to be quite frank, I wasn't sure he or anybody else was up to it. You know, in terms of being able to do uh, to do it, and I'm not suggesting that anybody or he has done it masterfully in terms of everything's gone tickety boo and everything's perfect. But I think he's actually surprised a lot of people. Uh, I might be one of them. You know, in terms of his ability to communicate his ability to sort of handle issues that doesn't necessarily mean that that there isn't room for criticism or that i haven't leveled maybe one or two slight observations of how we could do things better yeah. you know yeah because i am subtle that way but uh yeah, very, but, subtle. Yeah, very subtle man <laughs> forehead slab you have a column in a newspaper <laughs> that everyone sees yeah. yes 
Yes, hit hammer the forehead. Uh, no, it it's. But I think he has probably surprised people and put the SAS party in a better position than they might otherwise have been in uh, with another choice as leader or some other choices as leader, or who knows, maybe even sort of uh, Brad Wall in, in terms of this, because with all due respect to Brad Wall and his abilities and talents, and like I think all politicians uh, probably have a best before date in terms of how they can sort of yeah. be presented to the public. It's yeah. different than my job in the sense that, 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 uh, 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 you know that uh, if people get tired of you, they can vote you out. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there might be sort of uh, uh, a, a bit of a surprise in terms of how successful he's been, particularly in environments that we didn't think he'd succeed in, like urban Saskatchewan. And I know the recent by-elections don't really reflect that because mm -hmm. they've done very well in rural seats and not so well uh, in terms of the cities. But I'm a little surprised almost that the NDP haven't done better in their by-elections than, really? they, than they they have. Well, you just look at the percentage wins, like the percentage popular vote in, in rural by-elections of late versus urbans. Yep. When you're dealing with 75 to 85% in the SAS party rural wins and between 50 and 60% in the NDP wins in in a couple of cases in seats that they shouldn't have lost. They're all seats that, by the way, that they've actually taken over, which yep. is you know good for the NDP. In terms of Ryan Miley, um, in some ways, I think his job was both easier and more difficult in ter terms of taking over. The difficult aspect is he's taking over the NDP, and that's not where the province's head is at right now, and hasn't been for a significant number of years in terms of, of their support. There's, you know, sometimes there is a shift in the electorate, and we've seen that over, and we've certainly seen that in rural Saskatchewan, we've certainly seen that in urban Saskatchewan. Uh, for a couple decades now where it's been moving towards that. So that's the unenviable task that I think he was faced faced with. So from one perspective, and, and you know, you, you have to look at the world from all these angles when you do what I do, uh, I guess. And from that perspective, I think this great argument that he's done a lot better than, than people have uh, uh, thought he has. I don't know... He's gaining as much ground as quickly as he needs to, uh, and that might be part of the Herculean task that's before him. Or it just might be that uh, that that you know that any leader is only going to take a party so far. And so once again, I frame everything. This is where they stand at this particular point in time, but it's subject to change, as the polls mm -hmm. do, as every as public attitudes do, and everything else. So, is it going to be that way in a year from now when we're kind of on the verge of an election? I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking the SAS party is going to win and win comfortably because of their rural stronghold. But right. I'm thinking the NDP are probably going to do uh, significantly better than they have since they lost power in uh, in uh, 2007. And yeah. that probably should mean more seats than they had in 2007, which I think is significant. Now, can they build from there under Miley and and direction? I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, it's going to really depend on things that are outside any politician's control, which are obviously things like the economy, how well people mm -hmm. are doing, whether the population is still growing, all those things that are really touchstones to uh, uh, Saskatchewan voters in terms of how they assess success and failure governments. How do you think things are going in the province right now overall Well, with the economy and I guess just the I mood? See, yeah, oil cracked $70 a barrel. You know, that's, yeah. that's better. Uh, yeah. That it's been that low for this long is not better. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, that we don't have... 
a solid mineral resource sector like we once you had is problematic, that we don't have a diversified economy uh, uh, isn't great. The one story that, in terms of government successes, that I think kind of gets underplayed, and it, it's amazing that, that I'm saying this because it actually gets a lot of attention, but it's the population. Like it, it, People don't get how phenomenal it is that we kept growing, even growing the way we are, uh, yeah. which means in this day and age, losing a lot of people, again, to out-migration to Alberta and BC and elsewhere. But we're still growing in terms of population. And when you're an old guy like me, that's pretty phenomenal to witness. I, I look at how many years Saskatchewan was growing. And there is much credit political credit to be taken on that particular issue, far more so than there ever is to be taken on the monthly job numbers or the annual job statistics, which governments can control, but sometimes they can't. But there are policies that were put in place, and some of them, to be honest with you, go right back to the NDP days, but they've been certainly nurtured and fostered under this particular government that is a real success story. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're going to keep seeing a SAS party government for a while is because we've seen the success story of uh, of new new Canadians coming to the province and, and settling and doing really well, which is really the Saskatchewan story historically. Is it um, are the is the population growth um, improvements are they are they are they brought down a bit by by that fact that it's mostly new Canadians and instead of people from Alberta or BC or even Manitoba coming coming to to well, Saskatchewan. I got and a- and I I want to just make this one yeah. quick observation. Yeah, I think we have one too many Manitobans coming here anyway. Yeah, and, uh, one in particular one should leave. About <laughs> so, so. time he got out. Uh, but uh, I, I have no problem with how we grow the population. Uh, uh, you Does know, it? It'd be great if we grew it organically, and, and mm-hmm. the, it, it, there was better opportunity for people graduating to stay here in the kind of jobs that uh, that you'd want your kids, my kids, to have and stay in Saskatchewan and have. But that's not necessarily a reality. We are struggling right now with the notion that, you know, our kids, so to speak, the kids that that we are growing up here, regardless of whether we're first-generation Canadian and or long third- or fourth-generation Saskatchewan-born people, are still having to go to Alberta to do things. Mm-hmm. And that's sad and unfortunate and everything else. Uh, but it's also the Saskatchewan uh, reality. And I think there's somewhat more of a public acceptance of that. They don't particularly like it, but I don't think they necessarily blame government for it because yeah. it's been ever thus. Yeah. Uh, and um, the SAS party and Brad Wall promised to grow the province. They didn't necessarily say how. So I don't think they should necessarily be penalized mm-hmm. for the fact they've had successful success growing the province and they've been able to do it through... Uh, an immigration program that was kind of actually started under the previous administration under Pat Atkinson and the NDTP, who also probably don't get as much credit for some of the work they did in laying the groundwork. Now, the problem being, as you probably know, is this too is subject to change. And so when do we get to the point when we see um, the people that have arrived here, either them or their kids moving on because there seems to be a lack of opportunity uh, in Saskatchewan for them. It's always about the opportunity and it's always about sort of the creation of, of not just jobs, but good, solid you know, jobs, which is always the Saskatchewan struggle. And sometimes that's in the oil field. Sometimes that, that comes a little bit easier in terms of, of 
of that seldom that comes easier but certainly did in 2007 2008 when we had lots of resource jobs flowing in and sometimes it becomes the saskatchewan challenge most of the time it's the saskatchewan challenge and that's what governments are always going to have to be about do you see some some concern um some economic anxieties like what happened in the u.s with with trump being elected um here here in saskatchewan you know like I don't personally see it, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone that's angry about about the situations. But do you, like, like, do you see that happening here? I, at I'm all? sorry, I'm, I'm I'm not getting the framing of your question. Is it be, is it specific with Trump or is it specific with what's no? I guess the, Trump the no no nothing. I, I do distinguish between the two. Sure. The um the reasons do you, do you see some of this the the similarities between uh the reasons that that Trump got elected with with the economic anxieties, you know, working class people either not working anymore or seeing their jobs disappear and blaming that, um, whether they are right or wrong on immigration yeah. in I, particular. I, 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 like, I have you, a different take on that. We're different than the U.S. And, and we as are, Canadians yeah. and as Saskatchewan people. We, well, we, we think that we are, Marie, but, but don't, like, there has to be some people out there that are not, you know, I talk to a lot of people that are really conservative in this province. Uh-huh. I might be talking to one right now. I'm not sure. But I talk to a lot of people that are really conservative in this province that do a brilliant job of making the distinction between their conservative views, what they, their conservative values, and what they see in Donald Trump. And yeah. I honestly think, uh, and it's not something that you write about because it just is, and it, it is, it, it just should be, but... You know, conservatives here should be pretty damn proud of the fact that they aren't Trump conservatives, that that their views and visions aren't necessarily based on the xenophobia and uh, um, underlying racism issues that, that you're, they're, they're hugely problematic for the uh, U.S. And, and how the mm-hmm. Republican Party at this particular juncture in its history seems to have tapped into in terms yeah. of, you know, you know, it's been said to the point of being a cliche right now. But you know, it, you know, this is the party of Lincoln. This is the party of. You it's know, not anymore. It's no, not anymore. It's, it's not, and 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 I I really do see uh, a distinction between the conservatives I talk to, and it really comes out kind of on the trade issue. They might yeah. they not like the way Freeland or Trudeau are handling negotiations, or think that uh, 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 that. Uh, that that they're being somewhat incompetent in terms of their handling of it, but to a person, the people that I talk to are not siding with Trump because they believe he, because he's a conservative and they hold his values. Now I realize they have different interests for the country, but they still sit back and say, for the most part, unless you're so far flung out there on the on on. Uh, uh, the Twitter universe you're about to fall off the edge of the known world. Yeah. But, you know, for the most part, the people that I interact with and face with that are conservatives sit back and say, you know, this isn't what we're about. This is, you know, we're about free trade. We're about uh, commerce. We're about, you know, basic fundamental values in terms of conservatism and, and whatnot. In that kind of way, they're, they're, they're really sharing value. I think that's really kind of been the success of, of most of the conservative movement. It was less so under the Harper government, and it's why he only got one majority government and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I think there's people 
even in this province that are kind of harper conservatives that probably need to rein that in. But even they don't have quite the same Trumpian view of the world that others do. For the most part, I think most of them can distinguish. You know, if they go the rebel TV road or anything sure. else, only big problems. Sure. But you know, I don't think that's who uh, conservatives in this province are right now, and I think that's kind of a, a really underplayed portion of why they've been successful under Wall and now Scott Moe is because they don't hold that value. Now, you got to fight for that every day. And you got to fight for your ground in terms of where you really stand and where you really see issues. Right. You know, in the same way you do in my business where you just have to fight for what your ideas and 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 and, uh, and pre both presenting them and, and and making them of substance. And but I, I, I think, quite honestly, if the Conservatives here and, and you know, the Conservatives being the SAS party deserve credit for anything, it isn't that they're, they've managed to hold the coalition of liberal conservatives because they're clearly not. They're conservatives and we're just a different brand of conservative party than, than uh, you know, maybe Alberta or Ontario or federally or whatever, but they're still all conservatives. But they've maintained some basic fundamental values yeah. that the majority of people in this province can subscribe to. When they lose those values and when they get to the point in government where uh, it doesn't, where their governance doesn't reflect any competency, that's going to change. But for the most part, I think one of the reasons why, you know, for instance, that that uh, that Brad Wall did well with the so-called soccer moms in, her, in mm -hmm. Saskatchewan was that it was his ability to present that. That's the challenge to Scott Moe. And I guess, uh, you know, as per the conversation as to who's done better, I guess we'll sort of see whether that uh, that continues on but at least at this point uh urban saskatchewan hasn't been as offended by uh by scott moe and conservative values as maybe uh some thought they would and i guess that's one of the, one of the reasons why at least at this point he's been sort of more successful uh than maybe some people thought he would be right uh last question sure um <clears throat> who were who are the two most talented politicians on, on both sides of the aisle that were not premier they were not premier in your in your time covering politics. Geez, if I say that uh, and they hear it, they'll, they'll I'll never hear the end of it. They were not premier. Uh, yeah, I think one of them might be a guy like Gary Lane that I sort of saw in the day, oh, yeah. who was just massively talented and, and obviously went on to a successful career in the judiciary and a few others. Yeah, uh, uh, he, with the Grant Divine with the Grant Divine government. government. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of, of others like. For as much criticism as he now gets, Bill Boyd was a very talented politician. If you think about what he was able to do at the time in terms of the Conservatives surviving in 1995, uh, you know, you, you've seen a lot of others come and go. You know, like some of them come really briefly. Like, you know, I'm not saying Tim McMillan is sort of of that mm. level, but you know, like I Scott, worked for him. Yeah, uh, he was. Yeah, yeah he, he was great. You, you see a lot of them. They pass through sometimes very briefly, sometimes for a long time, and a, a lot of really talented people. Uh, on the uh, NDP side, there was just a ton of them. Uh, uh, you know, guys, you're specifically saying that didn't become premier, didn't yeah. become, yeah. Uh, guys like Ed Terzewski, guys like, you know, in some ways, uh, for all his foibles, you know, guys like Dwayne Lingenfelter, who uh, did become leader, but mm -hmm. at the time, less so to the ed end of his career, but but certainly in, is an opposition strategist and and, uh, and such was very successful in the previous uh, carnation before uh, they were out of government yeah. and when they were basically moving towards that. People like, you know, 
uh, Pat Atkins and people like uh, the, the, you know immensely talented people that are are, are smart or bright uh, are really worth sitting down and having conversations with because uh, because they are interesting and I, I I've sort of seen you know you hate to name a uh, uh, you know, bear it uh, down to just one or two because there's yeah, been no, so many. Yeah. I, like, you probably don't know this because you're I a good politician, Murray. You should, uh, <laughs> you know, you're pleasing everyone here. Well, I've sat down with some of the biggest names in in U.S. politics, not recently, but it, I mean, back in the days when I got to travel, you know, I, I'd sit down with uh, Bob Dole for an interview. I'd sit really? down with some, yeah, some. These people were really any better than our politicians, and people don't get that, you know. I've sat down with just more exposure, just more exposure, more, more. But in terms of of their abilities to communicate, abilities to tell. And secondly, on that thing, we've experienced, and I didn't, don't go back quite to the Tommy Douglas days, but uh, <laughs> matter of fact, I really, really don't know. I don't honestly. <laughs> but Brad Wall, Roy Romano, in certain ways, Grant Devine, uh, certain ways, Lauren Calvert, we have been. Uh, blessed with phenomenally talented people in that role. Yeah. Not all of them have yeah. had brilliantly successful careers in politics as premier, and not all of them will be. But you know, in terms of being orators, in terms of their ability to mm-hmm. communicate, which is kind of about ninety percent what you do in politics, because you know the rest of the policy stuff yeah. will follow. Communicating uh, it, yeah, they're just absolutely brilliant. Like yeah. you know, people don't get how good. Saskatchewan politics really is, which I guess is one of the reasons why I'm still governor. Um, do you see the end of your time writing columns any anytime soon? Others do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on a daily basis, I, I yeah, I think my, I think I think there's a lot of people in this building maybe who are wondering, gee, when when's when's Marie going to hang it up here? I had that very question put to me just before we sat down at the end. When yeah. quit? I guess I um. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm that great at what I do or, or that what I do is all that important, but quite often, you know, in the situation we are in the modern media, uh, I sit back sometimes and think, oh, who the hell else is going to do it? Uh, you know, and plus I'm an old guy who doesn't want particularly do you- want to do a job change right now, but I've chosen not to to leave the newspaper and I've chosen not to ask for a package like, you know, that, you know, that's kind of happening in our industry yeah. because of a common yeah, and everything else and the shrinkage and everything. So I guess there's probably a time when, uh, when, um, uh, that'll be the case. But, you know, I, at this particular point, most days I get up and think, ah, there's really not anything else I really want to do. Yeah. Well, hopefully you keep writing for a long time and, don't piss off too many people on well, the way. Thank you, buddy. I, and and uh, I'll hope I keep running for the pe- uh, for a long time. And I kind of do hope I kind of piss off a few more. Good. Good. Well, thanks thanks very much for doing this, Marie. Oh, and uh, it, was, it was great. Hopefully, we can do it again. Okay. Some, sometime soon. Okay. Thanks, Marie. That's it for this episode of the Talking Three Hundred Six podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Talking Three Hundred Six podcast on Apple Podcasts on your iPhone. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on social media as well. Talking 306 is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Theme music for the Talking 306 podcast is by Saskatoon artist Maybe Smith with a song that I think is very fitting for Saskatchewan called You Would Never Survive the Winters in This Province. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.